On this week's Garnet Research Roundup, I'm really delighted to be joined by Charles Malnick, who is currently working at the Swedish University of Agricultural Sciences in Uppsala. But we're going to talk about some work that he did when he was at the Sainsbury Lab at the University of Cambridge. And this work is just published in PNAS, the title of which is Transcriptome Dynamics at Arabidopsis Graft Junctions Reveal an Intertissue Recognition Mechanism that Activates Vascular Regeneration. So Charles is really a, a world expert in, uh, in grafting and the molecular changes that happen in uh, graft junctions. So thanks very much, Charles, for joining us today. And it would be great if you can give us an overview of, uh, of, of the work you did in this paper. Well, thank you very much for the, uh, the invitation to, to speak here. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, you know, I've been interested in, in grafting for probably well over 10 years. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's of course, it's an incredibly important horticultural and agricultural technique. I mean, grafting is used worldwide for, for fruit trees, uh, for, for grapevines, um, you know, tomatoes, a lot of, a lot of very economically important species. But we actually know very little about how, graft, uh, how plants graft. And I think it's, it's quite a fascinating process that you can cut plant in half and you can either stick it to a completely different individual or even in some cases uh, quite, you know, somewhat distantly related species. And then these tissues will fuse and then everything uh, within, you know, a, a number of days or weeks will, will reconnect and you form this, this very nice example of a chimera. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the point of this paper was really to try to understand the, the mechanism behind graft formation um, and using a transcriptome analysis. So we, we did, uh, you know, basically we, we grafted a huge number of plants. Uh, we harvested tissue graft junctions and we wanted to see genes that were being differentially expressed mm -hmm. uh, and, and we were I mean we were we were uh, very fortunate that of course there was there was thousands thousands of genes that were differentially expressed um, and we could actually observe a lot of the, the classic uh, healing processes regeneration processes were being activated uh, things associated with vascular formation so cambium xylem and phloem genes uh, were all were all being activated which was very nice it was very reassuring to see this that we could see this with with the, the species that we were working with, which is the, the Arabidopsis hypocaudal uh, uh, tissue that's being grafted um, to another Arabidopsis hypocaudal. I was going to ask you initially about the, uh, about the experimental design, actually. So we know that grafting is not a 100% successful um, occurrence. So how do you overcome the inherent variation that occurs? So some of, the, some of the plants won't survive the graft. So how do you overcome that within your experimental design? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, certainly when I, when I first started grafting, the success rates were extremely low. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it was, it was a lot of trial and error and trying different, different techniques with light, humidity, temperature to really try to get it up to a, a really good success rate. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, at the moment, success rates are probably around 90%. Yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, but, but you're right. I mean, it's still there's, there's a percentage of plants that essentially will, will fail to graft. Um, and in our transcriptome analysis, there wasn't much we could do about that. So especially at the early time points where we really don't, don't know how things are going to work. Mm -hmm. But a good indicator is just how well the plants are lined up, even after 24 hours, where you see things starting to fall apart, then, then those ones were generally removed because they, they weren't going to graft successfully. And, you, and then later on, when, when things fell apart, then we would, we would throw them out. We wouldn't, we wouldn't use them for the analysis. I see. And you see in the experimental design, you show that you, you use multiple um, plants each time. And if you, you think you have a 90% success rate across all, then it will all even, even itself out. That's right. I think I worked out, we, we, we grafted over 1,000 individuals yeah. okay. uh, for this, this paper. So, I mean, it, it took me months of grafting yeah, to yeah. get enough samples and materials. But you're right, we didn't do a single graft junction. I mean, all the time points had at least 50 individuals that were pooled together okay. uh, just to get enough material because the Arabidopsis hypocaudal is only a couple hundred microns across. If we were using, you know, uh, tomato plants or we were using, you know, trees, then I could have done, you know, just one or two grafts and it would have been, 
it would have been technically far easier. So can you tell us uh, something about the gene expression, you, you, the changes you saw at either side of the, of the junction? Well, that's right. I mean, we did this, this massive transcriptome analysis. I mean, we had uh, something, you know, we had three different treatments, five different tissues. Uh, we had 82 libraries that were being made, and we saw approximately half of the genome was being differentially expressed. Okay. So, you know, at least under one condition, I think what's happening here is, is when you cut the plant in half, basically the, the whole thing is going gonna, is gonna to freak out. Uh, you know, you're having a massive wound response. So, you know, we, we basically come to the conclusion that half of the genome is being differentially expressed, but how can you really get interesting and informative biological information from this? Yeah. Um, and I think that the real eye-opening moment is that when we realized that there was actually a lot of genes that were basically being asymmetrically expressed at the junction. So they were being more highly expressed on one side than the other. Okay. Um, and that those are actually a lot of the genes were, were associated with that. And then we, we later went on to, to, to discover why there was this, we, we think, this inherent asymmetry, why some things are activating first on one side than the other. So the tissues were not behaving the same on either side. But then what was, was also very interesting is there actually were a lot of genes that were behaving identically on both sides of the graft junction. So they were both activating very, very rapidly. And we think this is coming down to some sort of underlying recognition mechanism. So there, there's something in the, the bottom of the graft that, that activates very rapidly in the contact of the upper part of the graft. Okay. So we, we don't see this in simply a, a situation where we cut the tissues and we don't graft them. We don't seem to have this, this rapid gene activation below the cut site. And uh, you need the contact for this to occur. And, and through the data, it looks as though you can kind of pinpoint that to a specific action of a particular hormone. Yeah, so we, I mean, the, 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 the strongest evidence, we looked at all the phytohormones to see where the response associated with those hormones overlapped with our transcriptome data set. Mm -hmm. And the strongest evidence by far is for auxin, okay. um, which of course is the plant hormone that seems to control nearly everything. Mm -hmm. um, so, it, you know, perhaps it wasn't that surprising that we discovered that, that auxin was, was playing some role in this process. Um, and certainly a lot of the auxin transporters are being very uh, highly expressed around the graft junction. Okay. So it looks like, you know, after the cutting process, we get upregulation of the transporters. Auxin's probably getting pumped across. Uh, and a lot of the very early activators, what we think are these early activating recognition genes, uh, at least one of them we tested, and it looks like it's very auxin responsive. Okay. So within 24 hours of, of treatment with auxin, it's getting very nicely uh, increased in expression. Okay. So at least our data is extremely consistent with even though we've cut the plants in half, uh, the vascular tissue is severed, there should be no real transport through the phloem or xylem, mm -hmm. but still we have this recognition response that we think is, is being generated by the movement of auxin from the shoot to the root. So what you're suggesting is that there's this cell-to-cell -cell transport which is important at the, the graft junction that, um, for yeah. establishing the graft, I guess. That's right. I mean, there, there's some evidence. There's a bit of auxin in the phloem, but actually the majority of auxin is being transported from cell to cell. Okay. Uh, we think through the xylem parenchyma, perhaps also the cambium. So I think what we observed was actually entirely consistent that this perhaps is cell to cell to cell transport that we know is happening in, in ungrafted individuals. Hmm. Um, you know, in our grafted individuals, even though we've cut the vascular tissue, it's not functioning for the first three days. Hmm. It doesn't seem to matter. We can still get the cell to cell transport happening across the graft junction. Okay, so that yeah, that is that is striking. But you talk you talk quite a lot about um, obviously sugar responsive genes in the, in the paper. But it's clear that the auxin response is coming on even before that sugar transport would have uh, would have would have Absolutely. occurred. Absolutely, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. So, like you say, I mean, we think this, this this asymmetry. So these genes that are more highly expressed on one side than the other, those really correlate quite nicely with things that are sugar responsive. And that makes a lot of sense because our phloem, you know, you do the grafting process, you cut it through the middle, 
Uh, and of course, it's going to take you know three or four days for the foam to reconnect. And at that point, the sugars are not going to be able to transport until our foam is reconnected. Yeah. And on, so on the sugars, the one interesting little bit of data in the paper, you showed that when you put the grafted um, individuals on low concentrations of sugar, you actually decrease the uh, the successfulness of, of the graft. Is that is that right? That's right. Yeah. yeah okay. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So it's uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's an interesting observation. I mean. We, we couldn't completely block uh, graft formation, but we can reduce its efficiency by giving very, very low levels of sugar, uh, okay. suggesting that you know that it could be that perhaps this low levels of sugar are slightly stressful for the plant. This idea that maybe you need this, this asymmetry in sugar, you actually need a higher concentration on one side than the other to maybe activate some of this regeneration process or the, the healing process. And then when we just simply you know coat the whole plant in sugar, we lose this ability, and, and somehow this is this is perturbing graft formation. Yeah, the the, the, the kind of the, the, the tissue sections are quite happy in their own sucrose; they don't need it to yeah. supply. I suppose in that way. So um, as I mentioned, you about a year ago now you moved from from Cambridge to um, to Uppsala. So can you yeah. talk about a little bit about the work that you're continuing in this area? Because I know you're still focusing on the on the graft work. That's right, exactly. So I mean, I, I've brought a lot of this this grafting work. Uh, with me here, and uh, I mean, we did this this transcriptome analysis. We discovered, you know, thousands of genes are being differentially expressed at the graft junction. Mm-hmm. So we're we're really trying to identify those genes that we think are most important for graft formation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have some some very nice candidate genes. We've been focusing on transcription factors, uh, and it's really trying to to modify these uh, these these genes to see if we can inhibit or improve graft formation. Uh, we're using a Arabidopsis, but we're also now starting with with uh, some other species. We work on rice. Uh, we also work on corn. That's, that's one uh, aspect of the project. Mm-hmm. Actually, the other half of the lab is working on parasitic plants. Okay. Um, I think is is, is also a, you know horticulture you know very important. I think it's also fascinating that you can get these these two plants, uh, very different species, the parasite and the host, to come in close contact, tissue fusion, and also form vascular connections between them. Mm-hmm. So in a, it's, it's analogous in a, to a natural grafting situation. But how much mechanistic similarity there is between grafting and plant parasitism is, is completely unknown. Okay. Um, but our lab is looking for those parallels, and, and, and we have people who are also studying, looking for genes important for parasitism. Okay. It's extremely translational, this work, obviously, to move from, from our Arabidopsis into other plants. But maybe this is a slightly off-the-wall question. Have you interacted with anyone who works in um, the mammalian field to see if there's any analogy with, um, you know, grafts in, in animals uh, and about vascularization of, gra- of, of grafted tissue and things like that? Is, that, is, that, is there any analogy there? Or is that totally crazy? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's a really good question. I think it's really interesting. Uh, and I, I get it occasionally. Okay. Uh, at, at the, you know, when I give talks, and I'm, I'm often, yeah, it's, it's a tough one to answer. I mean, I think with, uh, with you know, mammalian grafts, I mean, you, you have this really nice uh, defense response that gets activated. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you basically, and, and people, you know, you have to give drugs and chemicals to try to reduce this defense response uh, where the immune system is basically a, a, attacking uh, the, the various tissues. Yeah. And I think at least with plant grafting, I think we're also seeing a defense response. Okay. I think when we're just grafting Arabidopsis thaliana hypocotyls to themselves, even though it's different plants, I, you know, I think genetically the plants are identical. Mm-hmm. But the real interest of, of horticultural grafting is grafting divergent species and combining the best traits of each plant together. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of reason why grafts are not working is because we're getting inappropriate immune responses, we're getting inappropriate defense responses. Okay, cool. um, so, you know, so maybe on a very broad term, we could start looking looking at, uh, you know, what's happening in mammalian systems and trying to, to understand how can we, uh, you know, modify these defense responses to allow grafts to take 
and also understand how parasitic plants can somehow evade these responses to, yeah. to allow them to infect really, really divergent species. So thank you very much, uh, Charles. You know, we just scratched the surface of the enormous amount of data which is in this in the paper and all the data is available uh, online as well. So, you know, I'd encourage people to look at, look at it. There's a lot of novel genes that we, we haven't mentioned here. So, you know, thanks very much, uh, Charles, for, for chatting about this. And we look forward to um, uh, hearing about your, your future work in, in this area. That's great. Okay. Thank you very much.